You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. This week, we have a very special guest and a very dear friend of mine, Trish King, who will be talking to us about different ways to train your dog. There are some very strong similarities between parenting a child and parenting a dog. If you have children, then you already have a lot of valuable knowledge of which you may not be aware. With a little adjustment, those skills can be put to good use when you're raising your dog. The title of today's topic, as well as the name of Trish's ever-so-popular book, is Parenting Your Dog. Trish is the Director of Training and Behavior at Marin Humane Society in Novato, California. She has over 20 years' experience owning and training dogs. But before we meet Trish, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Does your dog have problems walking with its back legs? If so, your dog is one of 58 million dogs that suffer with problems with its rear leg. Problems such as spinal myelopathy, arthritis, and hip dysplasia. Bottoms Up Leash helps your dog walk. It's a rear support harness that has won numerous awards, such as Dog Fancy's Editor's Choice Award, as Product of the Year, and it's been featured on CBS and Good Morning America. Visit the website www.seniorpetsupplies.com. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife having a rough day longing for the dog days of summer think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Trish King, who will be talking to us about using our parenting skills to train our dogs. Hi, Trish. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for asking me. Sure. It's nice to talk to you again. We haven't seen each other in a while. No. It's uh, it's because you live on one coast and I live on the other, I think. That's right. <laughs> well, I want to get started today because, as you know, I love your book, and it's a very popular book, um, and I think it's a great topic, too. And if I were going to ask you the three most important factors that people should know about raising a dog, what would they be? Oh, let me see. Uh, there are probably more than three, but I think that the first thing is that they should understand that uh, this relationship needs to be one where the human takes care of the dog. I find that an awful lot of people want to be buddies with their dog and don't realize that the dog needs more than that. They need to have um, they need to have a, a parent, so to speak, uh, which kind of goes into the next question, which would be, or the next uh, precept, I suppose, which would be that the dog needs structure and rules in order to function in a society, especially a human society. And even if they were in an only dog society, they would need rules and structure. Um, without that, there's chaos, and nobody functions very well in, a cha- in chaos. And, um, well, let me see, the third thing that people mm, should know about their dogs is that they're not people. I think there are an awful lot of folks who think that, in fact, they even call them people. Though they say, my dog thinks it's a human. Well, as a matter of fact, the dog doesn't think it's a human. The dog probably thinks the human is a dog if they think anything of, you know, anything at all. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because how many of your clients have say, you know, where's daddy, where's mommy? So they're even calling themselves mommy and daddy, correct? Yeah, well, I do that, too, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but I also think that a, uh, that a a person can be a very good parent and still know that their dog is a special needs um, <laughs> child, so to speak. I I totally agree. And I know in my practice uh, here in New Jersey, I find most people tolerate things, though, from from their dogs that they would never tolerate from their children. And what do you think about that? Well, I I think you're right. I think there probably are a few reasons for this. One of them is that um, if you don't understand a dog, if you don't understand who dogs are and where they fit into your family, then you're not exactly sure how to treat them so that they behave properly. So an example is that people pet dogs because they feel good to pet them. I mean, it feels wonderful to pet that lovely fur and and, and the dog leans against you and looks up at you and maybe licks you gently on the hand and all that kind of stuff. That feels really good. But it may not be exactly what the dog needs, and it may actually be reinforcing um, an inappropriate behavior. So, you know, I usually tell my clients, how would you feel if your husband or your wife came and sat on your la- on your lap all the time and shoved their back in your face and said, scratch my back? Right. Um, and, and, and they'll go, no, 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 I wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> or or if, even if a child did that, came up and just demanded attention all the time. We know that those are the behaviors of a spoiled child. But somehow when a dog comes up, leans against us, pushes on our hand, we think we're flattered. We think, oh my gosh, this is, the dog loves us. 
well, the dog is just being selfish and wants to be petted. There's nothing wrong with that sometimes, but sometimes it is totally inappropriate. So that would be one example. Well, and say um, there is somebody out there who owns that dog and they're saying they're listening to you right now and they're saying, yes, that's my dog. What could they do to stop that or eliminate that behavior? Well, the easiest thing to do is just to ignore the dog. And generally speaking, a dog will then go away. Now, one of the fun things about dog behavior and human behavior for that matter is that if something is a reinforced irregular basis, so to speak, then it tends to not go away. An example would be begging. If a dog begs at the table and you, and you say, no, we're not going to do this anymore, and so the whole family stops feeding the dog from the table, the dog will very quickly learn that it's no longer a reinforced behavior. It's no longer rewarding to sit under the table and they go away and lie down. But if, for instance, dad one day says, oh, he's been so good, I think I'll just give him, you know, a couple of treats from the table, then the dog will never give up after that because they know that every once in a while something might happen. And so the same thing is true when you're petting your dog. If you pet your dog every time they ask for it and then you say, no, I'm not going to do this anymore because this dog never gets, there's no such thing as too much attention for this dog. But then you do it every once in a while and the the behavior will continue. So... It's hard. It's a very difficult thing to do because when they come over to get petted, we love it. So my usual suggestion is that if you don't ever want the dog to be seeking attention from you, then just ignore it every time it happens. If you like it sometimes, but not all the time, develop a cue, which would just be, you know, I don't want to touch it. I don't want you to, to get attention right now or go away or something like that. That tells the dog, this is not the time that I'm going to give you attention. And um, to help them with that, sometimes we suggest a tether, an indoor tie-down um, to kind of push, put the dog over there and say, okay, you settle down over there while I'm over here reading my book. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, too. That's also my recommendation. And, and I, you probably are the same when you're working on the computer. Oh, your dogs come over, my dogs come over, but you don't want to be bothered certain times and other times you yeah. do. I guess I'm very good that way because my dogs know that when I'm when I want attention, I call them. Other Perfect. than that, they don't they don't seek attention. But that's because I have them with me all the time, and they can't bug me when I'm at work. They have to lay down somewhere in the corner or whatever on their dog bed. So when I stand up and I say, "Okay, we're going to go play now," then they try to get attention. So again, it's really sticking to those rules so the dog knows black or white. Yes, and, and they're certainly not a black and white species, but if you make the rules black and white, it's very helpful for them. Great, great. Well, good house manners, in my opinion, is critical. And as we both know, working for shelters, it's one of the main reasons why people give up on their dogs. So let's go over. I, you have actually five tips um, in your book that I really like a lot um, to get out to create a well-mannered dog. So if you don't mind, I'd like to go over that and maybe you can give the audience some tips. The first um, that you talk about, which I really like a lot, and we expect this of children, is sharing. So go into detail a little bit about what you mean about sharing and how people can train their dogs to share. Well, dogs, again, like people, are um, selfish. And um, they will do what's in it for the dog. So they tend to be, um, we call it resource guarding, but it's essentially... um, self-centered and selfish about what they have. If you 
and and if if you have a child, you know that the kids are exactly the the same. The first thing, uh, one of the first words a child learns is mine, and um, and they're pretty adamant about it. I remember when my daughter was really young. I used to actually have to hide toys that she was very fond of whenever any of her friends came over because she refused to share them. And so most parents spend an awful lot of time trying to teach their their child to share with other kids. Dogs will do the same thing. If they get a chewy, they don't want to share it with you. They don't want to share it with anybody else. And so you have to teach them to do it. I like a nice gentle way to teach them. What I usually will do is if I if they're feeding um, or if they've got a chew toy, I'm going to go over and sit next to them and pet them while they're doing it. Um, if they growl, then you have to do some other things first. But if they're not, then all you're doing is just saying, I can be with you, you can have your chewy, I can sit there. And then you can actually put your hand near their mouth and, and, and whatnot. What I don't recommend is that, and this is unfortunately what a lot of people do, is that when you give a dog some food, then to take the food away and then to give it back to them and take it away and give it back to them, or the same thing with the chewy. And I don't like that because I think it actually encourages um, resource guarding or possessiveness because they don't know, you know, they don't even know that they're going to be able to finish their dinner. It's so much better to walk over and, and if they're eating, to pet them and maybe give them a little, an extra little treat. So now they actually look up and say, oh, you're coming over here. That's wonderful. I love it that you're coming over here. Um, and I think that that's a much better way to go about doing it. Very different in a multiple dog family. Right. Well, it's kind of interesting because we always hear people say, I, I want to take it away just to prove that I can. But we as human beings would become extremely irritated if somebody kept taking our plate away and giving it back and taking it away and giving it back. It's a story that I usually tell if you, if you actually had somebody, you know, if the waiter came and took your food, you know, you, you might get irritated, especially if they kept on coming back and coming back and coming back. What you probably wouldn't do would be to take out a machine gun and start to shoot them. That's right. uh, <laughs> And that would be pretty high-level possessiveness. <laughs> right. <laughs> the next one, and I, I know that Sarah Wilson, who was our previous host, uh, also just talked about this, and I think it's critical also, but you mentioned getting the dog's attention. And when we think about it, people don't realize that the dog's name is really another cue for a behavior. So tell us what your expectations are and how pet owners can teach their clients to get attention when asked. Well, again, it, it, you know, harking back to the whole parenting thing, when you're actually, it doesn't even have to do with parenting. It can be just human um, relationships. If if I call my daughter's name, I expect her to answer me. I expect her to either look at me with her eyebrows raised as, yes, mom, did you want something? Or if she's in another room, I would expect her to say, yes, what? Uh, what's going on? So I expect a response to her name. If then that's exactly what I expect from a dog. If I say their name, I expect them to either look at me critically, like, what did you want me to do next? Or if they're in another room, to trot towards me. Because their name is actually a, it is an attention getter to say, there's something I would like you to do. Now, I'm not just going to call their name and then do nothing, but I do want them to look at me when, when I say their name. What I find with many of my clients is that they say their name over and over and over and over and over again. So after a while, the dog, although he or she may actually know her name, they, they don't respond to it anymore. They don't look up because it doesn't mean anything. It just means that somebody is saying their name. 
I've got two dogs lying right beside me right now, and if I said either one of their names, they would both look up at me like, you want you want me? What are we supposed to be doing next? So so people say, they're, say for example, they're sitting here listening to this, and they're, and they're thinking, well, how do I get my dog to look at me when I say their name? What's your well, recommendation? It should come naturally. It should come as, you know, you're at home, you say the dog's name, and then it's dinner time. So you say, you know, Bowser. Bowser looks up, and you go get his bowl, and, and you start filling the bowl with food. So Bowser means, hmm, food is going to happen. Or Bowser, and then you get the leash, and a walk is going to happen. But because that doesn't happen like that a lot, in our classes and in our consultations, we teach people that when you say the dog's name, it is immediately followed by a treat until they know that looking up at you is a, it's a very rewardable behavior. And again, it can come naturally, but only if you know what you're doing and you try very hard to be consistent with it. So it really needs to be followed with a positive association so the dog wants to look at you, in other words. That's, that's exactly right. You put it very beautifully. <laughs> Thanks, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to hang on one second, and we're going to continue uh, with this exciting topic uh, right after these messages from our sponsors. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September September 28th at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to LouisvillePetExpo.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. 
So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host, and joining us is Trish King, Director of Training and Behavior at Marin Humane Society in Novato, California, talking to us about using our parenting skills to train our dogs. Welcome back, Trish. Hello. Before we went to break, we were talking about um, the five tips to creating a well-mannered dog. And we went over sharing, responding to the name, and the third one, I think, which is so important, is say please. And I really like this one because we so expect our children to say please. And why do pet owners then not have that same expectation from the dog? So maybe you can tell the audience how you train the dog to say please. Okay. Well, they obviously can't talk. And and I have to say that an awful lot of people don't train their children to say please either. And it's actually a very easy thing to teach as long as you do not respond unless the child says please. Just the same technique that you use for a dog. The, you know, positive response gets a positive um, reinforcement from you, whether it's in the form of praise, petting, or treats, or whatever. So um, with a dog, since I can't talk, I use sit as the as please so if a dog wants attention from me then they need to sit first if they want to go out the door i want them to sit first if they want if they're going to get in the car i want them to sit first so everything that's worth having they sit first and what you get then is you get a dog that actually will sit as a default behavior and it's so pleasant to live with a dog that will do that uh, and I think it's it's amazing that, that more people don't actually pick up on it. It's easy to do because if you just wait for the behavior, in most cases, you can say sit, but most people start chanting. And what I like is to say sit once and then to wait. And then even with a little puppy, you can do it. And then you pet them as soon as they've sat. Or then you give them their treat. Or then you open the door. Or then you put on their leash or whatever it may be. But it's a very simple thing as long as you're consistent in the way that you teach it. So it's really basically, if you want something, you have to do something for it. Yeah, and knowing what you want is really important. Um, And I think that that a lot of people don't have a clear idea of what they want from their dog. Um, So just defining that for yourself is really good. Maybe somebody doesn't want to sit. Maybe they want the dog to cock its head. I don't know. But I just use sit because I find that's an easy thing to teach. And that really leads us on to the fourth point, which is greeting people politely. And that's another big topic that I am going to cover in great detail at a later date. But in short, what are your recommendations when you talk to your clients about uh, getting their dogs to greet people politely? Well, it's, it's a difficult thing, um, actually, because if you've taught your dog to sit before everything, then, then there's a pretty good chance that this will just kind of come as you, as you actually you know, work with your dog. But lots of people adopt dogs in adolescence 
And adolescent dogs generally are jumping out of their skin. They um, have way too much energy and have no idea where to put it. And so these guys are, are, are difficult to train and very frustrating for people. It's, it's, it's frustrating and exasperating to have a dog leap up on you when you would like to greet them. On the other hand, many people actually reinforce that behavior without realizing it because they, their dog jumps up on them when they come in the door and they go, oh, hi, pumpkin, hi, pumpkin, and then they get upset with them later when they start doing the same thing. And the dog doesn't know, you know when it's appropriate to jump and when it isn't. So the first thing to do is to not reinforce the behavior when they're jumping up. And at doorways, you know, this is, this is a funny part of, of doing what I do. I'm a consultant in most cases. And... I had a client uh, not too long ago who I said she, she was upset because her dog jumped at doorways at people when they walked in the door. And I said, so how many guests do you have? Do you have a lot of guests? And she said, oh, no, nobody comes to my house. <laughs> so then I started feeling sorry for her. <laughs> but obviously, she, she, couldn't, um, she couldn't possibly train her dog not to jump at the door if nobody came to the door. So for her, what we decided to do was just put the dog on a tether when people came to the door because they didn't come very often. But for other people, sometimes you teach a dog to go to the mat. Sometimes you help them to sit. And I have another technique that's kind of fun as well. What is that? Well, if the dog is jumping up on you or jumping up on a guest, just pat him on top of his head. They don't like that. <laughs> Most of the time, they get off right away. <laughs> and then you can reinforce floor on the floor on the floor. Excellent, excellent point. And the last thing you mentioned in your book are people first. And can you explain to us what that means? Sure. Here's how I, I generally um, think of it. If, if you fly on airplanes very much, which I do, uh, one of the, the uh, points in the spiel they give, the safety talk they give in the beginning, is if, if the oxygen masks drop, for the people to give themselves oxygen before they give their child oxygen. Because you need to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, you're not able to take care of the dog or the child or whatever. So I find that, that thinking of yourself first is an important concept, making sure that you are comfortable with what, where you are. Again, doing what I do, I have a lot of clients who have dogs that are either nervous or overreactive or sometimes aggressive. And the people are nervous, overreactive, and not often aggressive, but sometimes and they're not taking care of themselves, and how are they going to expect their dog to behave properly if they can't even really get a, a, a grasp on, on how they should behave? So there's that. There's also the fact that this is your house. You pay the mortgage, <laughs> and, and so you need to make sure that your needs are taken care of first before your dogs are taken care of. Great point. I really like that a lot. That is such an important factor because uh, you see that in today's society, we're so busy, we're worried about everybody else's schedule and the kids' schedule and I have to run here and we're not really taking care of ourselves. So I, I like that a lot. Let's move, um, since we don't have much time left, this is such a great topic, we can keep talking about this for an hour, but let's move to outdoors right now. And I know one of the most annoying behaviors that people complain about are, are dogs that pull them on leash. They're just being dragged down the street and again 
if we go back to children, we would never tolerate a child dragging us around the supermarket just because the child wanted candy, for example. But, but it is amazing to me how many people are just following behind the dog when he's pulling to greet another dog or pulling to greet another human being or pulling to lift his leg on a tree. How do you deal with that and what can people do? Um, you also, in your book, mention a few, the knotted approach or the double leash. Go over that a little bit, Trish, um, if, if you don't mind. Okay, I, I, I think the first thing that needs to be said is why do dogs pull? And they pull because they're on a leash. Dogs are, do not come with a leash attached to their neck, and they are naturally they naturally explore just like people naturally explore. If you ever if you have ever taken a walk with a toddler, you know that you're not taking a walk. The child is going from flower to flower. They're going here. They're going there, and you're just kind of following them as they explore their environment, and that's one of the things that dogs do. And I think that there's a part of us that actually likes the fact that they're exploring their environment, especially when they're a puppy, and we tend to let them do that, and we might hold the leash and let them go from place to place to place to place. And there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when they pull, and then we, we just kind of say, oh, you're pulling me there, so I follow. We're amazingly polite. The dog pulls in one area, and, and we just go, oh, okay, I guess I'll follow you. I'm always reminded of a child on an airplane where the mom, you know, the kid can't stay still in the seat, so the kid's walking up and down the aisle, and the mom is kind of following the child where their arm is held akimbo, trying to make sure the child doesn't fall into somebody's lap. And it, that's kind of how I think of, of the dogs. So if you don't ever let them pull, I mean, they're going someplace. You're just, they're, you're just the anchor that they have to drag along with them. They're not, they don't think of themselves as pulling. You're pulling. <laughs> they're going someplace. So if you don't ever let them pull on the leash, so if they're a puppy and they want to explore, make sure you explore with them when they're on a leash, but don't have them pull you. If they start to pull, then as a pup, you can just stand still until they look back at you quizzically and then you go in a different direction so they're not pulling you. So puppies are really easy to teach. It's just that people don't bother doing it because they can't pull very hard. An adolescent, on the other hand, can pull your arm out of its socket. And so it becomes a lot more painful to do it. But if you, if you still go with the, no, don't let them pull, you stand still, move the other direction or whatever, you will actually eventually get your point across. The knotted leash form of training is, is essentially um, one of the things that I find that people do is they hold the leash at the end and because there's a loop at the end they think that's where you're supposed to hold the leash we put a knot about um, a foot to a foot and a half away from the dog's collar and we tell people to hold on to that knot instead of the end of the leash and to have the, the rest of the leash kind of looped up underneath their you know in their hand and then as the dog and the, and the person walk if the dog starts to pull, you let go of the knot and you still hold on to the loop and you walk in a different direction. And what happens is the dog kind of comes to the end of the leash and goes, oh, what, what just happened? And then they see you walking in another direction and they have to catch up to you. And it, along with a lot of other methods, is a, is a nice method to get the dog to understand that they have to watch you. Because what the leash does is it teaches the dog they never have to watch you. And what we want the dog to do is to actually watch you. One of my very favorite techniques that you can only use in a very safe spot is to actually let the leash slide out of your hand and move in a different direction and then keep on going. 
And when the dog catches up, you go, oh, you're joining me. How nice. I like that. And you can, you can reinforce them there if you want to. What they, you want them to do is to realize that you're the leader, they're the follower, and the leash should not make that much of a difference. Of course, it does. But, you know, just <laughs> what we do in classes at our places, um, after people get to a certain level of training, we actually use crepe paper as the leash. Well, the dog is doing, and they're usually doing very poorly. <laughs> yeah. but, great, uh, great. But it does point. it does show people what they're you know what they need to do. Terrific, wonderful tips. And unfortunately, though, we're we're out of time. And we would like to thank our guest Trish King and the producers for making the show possible. Trish, I know the audience will love this book. Uh, I found it easy and fun to read, and it's just so informative. Where can they purchase it? And if they have any questions, is there a place where they can contact you? Sure, they can actually get the book from Amazon.com if they want to. Um, it's from uh, TFH which is not a huge publisher, um, but they do carry it on, on Amazon and, and whatnot. Um, if they want to talk to me personally, uh, email is best, and that is just tking, as in Trish King, so tking at Marin Humane Society. That's M-A-R-I-N Humane Society, and that's all one word, dot org. Or if you just look up Marin Humane Society on the, uh, on the Internet, you can get hold of me that way. Fabulous. So again, the book is called Parenting Your Dog by Trish King. And if you'd like a transcript of the show or any other shows on Pet Life Radio Network, please go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Teacher's Pet. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me at Pia, P-I-A, at PetLifeRadio.com. Until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Trish, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>